there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean... <laughs> Um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek. Sorry for the brief hiatus these last couple of weeks. I got married two Saturdays ago uh, and then seemingly right as the country fell apart, uh, we had our honeymoon. Um, we social distanced, we were responsible, and uh, yes, we are self-quarantined upon our return, which means that this pod today is done remotely. Greg Smith is joining me from his home. I'm in my home. The internet is cool, although I don't have my mics, so this will be interesting. Greg, how is your quarantine life treating you? Um, it's okay. Like it, it's very odd. I've described this to people as it. Uh, in some ways, it's very different. In some ways, it's not. Like honestly, for work purposes, it feels a lot like it does for me during the football off season. Um, where you work from home a lot and you're doing a lot of stuff remotely. But then on the other hand, there's like a lack of information just because like not as much stuff can happen. Um, But then outside of that, like everyday life obviously is extremely impacted. Like my routine is like totally off. um, And I'm still kind of adjusted to not being able to like start my day by going to my gym and then like everything else falling from there like that honestly have been the most difficult part for me um which i guess i should consider myself lucky if that is the case so yeah it's a mixed bag yeah for sure uh i was talking to my dad my dad works in the world of finance and so his job working from home is uh pretty interesting and he was kind of talking to me about my job and and like when this was all happening and we were away i had people both on on my side of the family and her side of the family being like, are you okay? Like, is your job going to be okay? And I was like, yeah, people have time to read now. It's not like people have more time to read now. So like theoretically right. we should be in a, in a much better spot than anybody else is, um, thankfully. And you know, it's not too dissimilar from what we do in the off season already. We just can't talk to anybody in person. So that's interesting. At what point, Greg, in the land of no NBA, did you really sit back and be like, damn, this is what people's lives are like who don't watch sports? Um, that probably took a week, I would say, because like it's really odd because for me, like I mostly like it, it had just gotten really ramped up, too, because I was just starting. I was starting to watch even more NBA because they were starting to do those Sunday showcase games in the afternoon, stuff like that. Um, and your Lakers were getting rolling. Yeah, and then the, yeah, and then that was happening. The Lakers were rolling, as LeBron said. He was rounding third and heading towards home. Um, they had just beaten the Celtics and beaten the Clippers. Um, so they, yeah, they were getting going. So after like after about a week, I'm like, okay, it really feels like the calendar just as far as just leisure time and sitting down and watching sports is just empty. 
Um, and I'm starting to feel the crunch of that. This past week has just been brutal. Like that, it's been really tough. And you don't realize like how much just time you just plop down and just throw something on the TV, whether it's the Lakers or anyone or any sport, um, and just kind of let it be background noise. Like you don't realize how much you actually do that until it's gone. Yeah, one hundred percent. And the uh, the thing that's been funny is watching um, some of like regional sports networks try to grapple with what to put on TV. We had the room that we had our rehearsal dinner in. There were probably like five or six TVs in there, and we told them that they could turn it off because it's like there's nothing on right now. Uh, there was supposed to be a Thunder game the night of our rehearsal dinner, but that obviously didn't happen. We told them like turn the TVs off. Nobody's gonna be watching it. But they kept it on, and they kept it on the regional Fox Sports network. I think it was Fox Sports. I think Oklahoma has its own one. Um, and it was they were replaying like a high school Texas football state title game from like four years ago. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's been some interesting stuff like that. Like, I, I think you were gone when like the, the Nebraska high school state basketball happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and that ended up making Sports Center. Um, it was all yeah, like there were all sorts of things like that. I don't know if the Thunder are doing this now, but the Lakers have been doing a thing where when they play a team, when okay, so if they like, say they were supposed to play the Thunder tonight, um, instead of the game actually happening, obviously they've been doing like highlights of the greatest Laker games against the Thunder or whoever that opponent would have been, and putting that out on social um, so that people have at least something <laughs> to to be able to look at, um, which I think has been kind of neat. But it's still, you know, obviously not the same. Yeah, it's it's not. I haven't been paying attention actually, so I don't know if the Thunder are doing that or not. We have uh, been like trying to play catch up and put stuff away and get the stuff that we need because, like, when we left, like none of this was a thing. Right. So we're so far behind in a bunch of stuff. But we're doing like obscure house things. My question for you is, what is the most obscure non-sports thing? that you have done to fill your time over the last two weeks? Oh, man. That's a good question. I feel like there has been, uh, We organized the uh, laundry room. That was that was probably the thing, and it's and it's funny because all these things that you put off and you claim you don't have time for, but you probably did. You just didn't really want to do them. Um, we're starting in on some of that stuff. So like we had like a stove knob that was like a little bit broken, but kind of functioning. And I figured out how to fix that through YouTube videos. And we organized um, the laundry room and all of that stuff. So yeah, I think that those are the two things that we definitely tackled uh, during this time. Okay. Organize how is this like putting away stuff or is this like you have an actual system for like a cabinet like what are you talking about so we've got um like a couple of big shelving units um in the laundry room and so but it had just become like overrun where everything wasn't organized and stuff was just kind of mismatched in everywhere that it wasn't supposed to be because just over time you're not actually keeping it organized so it's like going through that stuff and making sure anything doesn't need to be thrown away like reorganizing it suddenly that room feels even bigger now um (laughs) because we went through and cleaned it out um um, we've done a lot of dusting around the house as well. Um, so yeah, just kind of organizing that, making sure that the stuff that was down there actually needs to be down there or is not expired or needs to be thrown away. We are living very fun and exciting lives right now. Oh yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> I've played a lot of 2K as well. <laughs> uh, okay, so I, I've been out obviously at, at, at times a few degrees removed from what was going on in the Nebraska sports bubble. 
Uh, we consumed a lot of Hawaii news now, though. Uh, there has been total shutdown of organized team activity. Um, the most far-reaching implication of this break, I think, from from a football standpoint specifically, has to be in recruiting, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 very odd. Like I just I keep saying that, but it's it's just all of it is odd because. At the time that this really all broke, right, um, and really everything started getting shut down, um, Nebraska was ramping up for a really big junior day um, that coming weekend in which they were going to have, I think, the well, at that point, they had three um, commits. All three of them were going to come back. All three of them had told me that they were planning on putting their pre-recruiting hats on big time. And like they actually had a list of guys that they were wanting to talk to at this junior day event. Peter Costelli, the four-star quarterback in California, being uh, cheap among them. Um, Henry Latowski actually told me a funny story about how him and Teddy were just going to go stand next to him and say, hey, we're big. We can block for you, um, which would have been hilarious. And I hope they would have gotten a picture of that. Um, so Nebraska had a really big plans. And it wasn't just that 2021 one class they had a number of guys from the 2022 group um that were also going to be coming to lincoln um in a lot of cases their first time coming to campus so just that portion being canceled alone is a big deal but then you take into account of what nebraska's staff thinks about those um spring practices and how they use those as show many showcase events to have recruits on campus they had already had recruits on campus for that very first practice and they were going to continue to do that throughout the spring um because they as travis fisher said i think um during those round tables to me that it, that's basically a way to show guys when the doors are closed and it's just us. This is how we go about our business. Um, and they lost that opportunity maybe completely. Like, we don't know for sure what's happening with that. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a huge deal um, in the world of recruiting, even though Nebraska had been doing a good job of getting those guys on campus for the 21 class specifically. Um, it's going to have big implications. We just don't know how big um, until it all shakes out. Yeah, you had something on com that kind of phrased that Nebraska's in a good spot, but also not a good spot because obviously nobody's in a good spot recruiting wise, but Nebraska had had a handful of guys that they really liked who had already been here on visits for this 2021 class. But like if you project into future classes because they like to work so far ahead, this months long run of not really being able to do much of anything, it stands to reason that it would potentially impact like the 2022 class and the, maybe the 23 class? Is that right? Or am I thinking too far ahead? No, I think you're correct. And the reason that that, that is is because um, this time of year is when kids start – like high school kids start going on spring break, right? And so if you're from far away, let's say you're one of those Florida kids or you're from California or wherever, um, if you want to take trips to places that are further away from you – and you want to see Nebraska, that really is a great time for you to see Nebraska, right? You're not going to just be able to do that on a whim on a Tuesday. Like, it's going to have to be um, when you've got some extended time off. So, yeah, that could end up setting them back um, because then you have to hope that you can push that into the summer, But it, assuming things open back up then. But then again, who knows what that's going to look like in the summer because everything might have to be jam-packed together and you're really going to be fighting to get kids on campus because your competition is going to be so much heavier um, because everybody else missed out on that visit time as well. Put on your uh, prognosticator cap or, or your, uh, what is it? What is the future teller 
thing profession. I'm struggling to think of the name for that. The person that has the crystal ball, get out your crystal ball, put on your, your thinking cap and tell me like, what is the real impact on this cycle that you think we will see come December from the lost spring game, these lost visits, the, the um, lack of the coaching staff's ability to get out on the trail and, and see people, what, what will be the real impact I, months I, down the line? I think the, the two things to me that are going to be really big key indicators are one, d- did teams get um, prospects on campus ahead of this? Um, so like in Nebraska's case, when I talked about them being ahead of the game in some respects, so like all of those guys from, you know, Thomas Fedoni to Peter Costelli to um, TJ Bowlers, Jalen Noel, Keegan Johnson, all of those guys that we talk about a lot, Nebraska getting them all on campus multiple times could really help down the road if they're not able to get to um, the colleges that they're trying to see in a timely fashion. Like, for example, Thomas Fedoni is a really interesting case study of this. He put out his top six, and I'm trying to do this off the top of my head, of Nebraska, Iowa, Notre Dame, LSU, Michigan, and Penn State. Of those top six, he's only visited Nebraska and Iowa. His plan was this month to go and see all the rest of those schools, then kind of narrow it down to who he was taking official visits to, and then make his decision before his senior season. Like, So what happens to a timetable in that if you've only visited two of those six schools and you're a really highly sought-after recruit? So the next portion, though, that I think will be really interesting, and he might end up falling into this, if guys delay those um, decisions and we end up having a season, knock on wood, how does a team's season impact their recruiting? So now your season might be even more important to show that you're still on the trajectory that you've been selling while building these relationships. Um, So that to me is kind of all of the unknown. And I think that it will, it's going to happen, I think in waves where you're going to continue to have commits right now, like we've been seeing um, around the country. And then I think it's going to pause and then we'll see a huge run of commits during the season more so than I think you normally do as guys are able to kind of get out and take visits. This season, should it be played like normal? I think (laughs) has the potential to be a bad one in terms of the quality of, of games, because like, I mean, think about, all the, the jokes about the NBA right now, right? Where all these guys are off. They're not allowed in, in team facilities and things like that. And they're going to come back and start up and play off basketball. And it's going to be like people dribbling off their feet. Like think about from a football standpoint, all of the new guys that have to learn this scheme or for Matt Lubick uh, coming in and, and being part of a, a new team and a new system and having to learn new people. None of these guys can be around each other. None of these guys can, can work out in a weight room and, they can't even do it on their own because all the gyms are closed. Like this has the potential to be uh, a very loud, a very noisy and a very hard to predict season. It might not be great football to start. I don't think, which would be uh, a fun storyline in and of itself, but that's assuming that uh, we even get to play a season like normal. So to jump from one hypothetical conversation to an entirely different hypothetical conversation the NCAA is having discussions about what to do with athletes in winter and spring sports who either had their postseasons taken from them or their entire seasons taken from them. One thing that they haven't publicly gotten to yet, at least not that I've seen, um, though I'm, sh- I'm sure those conversations are still being had on like a conference-specific basis right now, um, is what to do with fall sports in the event that this thing stretches out. 
I don't think it's unrealistic to think that August rolls around and, and this isn't taken care of to a point where the kind of large public gatherings that are college football games can resume. There could be games without fans either all season or for like a period of the season. There could be a shortened season. There could be no season at all. Um, a stadium without fans in college football is not really college football. I don't know. I don't know that I could get behind that. I saw a handful of Italian soccer matches without fans, and it just wasn't really the same. And college athletics is built for fans in a way that not many other levels of sport are. Um, so if, if we're looking at a potential situation where the season is cut into or lost altogether, all where do you stand on the fans versus no fans thing? And where do you stand on, should the season be lost, where do you stand on adding additional availability for seniors? Boy, that's a lot. Um, I, as you kind of laid that out, I, I, it would be weird for college football to not have fans because if you like, I'm just picturing like a, a typical Husker game um, and the ninety thousand plus in there, and like you've got the the band and the cheerleaders and all of that, you know, waving the flag and the mascots. Like it just like the pageantry that is college football and those unique experiences would just be so odd without fans. So I almost think that you just if you have to go no fans, you just don't play. Um, yeah. Like I just, which God, that sounds it's it just sounds weird to even have to contemplate. Um, but on the side of like giving eligibility back, I kind of think you have to um, at least give them give student athletes the option because one of the things that like every t- it feels like every time one thing is discussed, there's other ripple effects that come off of that. Um, because like, what if you were a student athlete in a in a winter sport? that got their postseason taken away, but you then had like a job lined up outside of like, you weren't going to play professional, whatever you were going to go into the workforce. Like what happens with that? Like, should you, can you delay that to then come back to school for one more year? Like what would, like there's all sorts of weird decisions that have to be made with that. But just in general, I'm in favor of basically letting them decide if they want to come back, even though that opens up, a whole nother can of worms when it comes to scholarships and how much schools are going to have to pay for that um, and all sorts of issues. But I would be in favor of giving them, um, especially the spring sports. Like I think the winter sports, you could have a discussion about it um, because they mostly just didn't get their postseason, um, even though in the case of like college basketball, you basically missed out on conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament, which is two like big things. Um, but it, it's just tough all around. Right. And you brought up a good point, the the money side of this, because the lack of a we've already seen the repercussions of a lack of of March Madness. The NCAA estimated uh, like budget was what 600 million and now it's 200 million. Right. Like like it, it, the thing that it would be great if we could just give everybody an additional year who wanted it. They could make that decision themselves. The thing that I just keep struggling with when I think about this is it is a logistical nightmare unlike any other logistical nightmare I can comprehend in the realm of sports because you're having to deal with, I mean, a school has to figure out how to pay for that senior class again and adjust their budget while also adding a freshman class that primarily was constructed to replace the guys that just left. Right. And now all those guys are there and you're having to shift uh, like roster building ideologies. You're having to 
figure out how to house these additional. And I know it's not a huge number of players, but when you're talking about walk-on class as well, like you're, you could potentially be having to house an extra 20 guys, 20 or 30 guys that you weren't expecting to. You might not have the resources for that. You might not have the facilities for that. We already know Nebraska doesn't have the facilities for the full roster that it has right now. And speaking just in football, like, I don't know how they would do it because it's just I like I'm racking my brain. I just don't know how you would do it. I don't know how you would have that many guys come back that a team, you know, two months ago wasn't expecting back. Yeah, I think in football I, and, and that's that just that question alone um, is why a, a canceled football season would be catastrophic. Like it's it's beyond just you know missing football and the the overall financial implications with TV money and all of that, um, and the jobs and that. Like just that one portion of trying to because football has so many more players um, than other sports. Like whereas basketball, you could at least try and figure out a way. If I don't know what how many kids are in Nebraska um, Nebraska basketball's current recruiting class, let's say it's three or four. Like you can figure out a way to house those guys, right? But if you're accounting for an additional, like whatever, if Nebraska has, they actually might be on the low end of this because the team is so young. But if they have 14 or 15 outgoing seniors, like it's just, it is a nightmare. Like it really is. Like, and that's why football is such a, a tipping point for all of this and why I think people are kind of hesitant to even go there on what happens if the football season gets canceled. Um, but you're definitely going to see these issues on a smaller scale when it comes to these other sports as, as the NCAA figures out um, what to do, especially with those spring sports like baseball um, and how they want to go about handling that. Yeah, and I know Cardinal Jones said that, that they didn't come to college to play uh, college, but or what was it? They didn't come to college to play school, whatever the yeah. quote was. You you have to also factor in like classes. So like for a guy who didn't redshirt and is a fourth year senior, does he want to start grad school? Right. Like, is that something that he wants to do? Because like, yeah, he, he has the option to come back and play, but he has to, he would have to go through what, 12 hours? Like, he would have yeah, to take classes to be able to play. Yep. Like, if he doesn't want to do grad school, if he doesn't want to make that commitment to grad school, like, that's a pretty big commitment to make. Yeah. Even if the carrot at the end of the stick is football. The thing you, you brought up, I think, the thing that will keep this conversation from really um, escalating, and that's the money portion. I mean, if you get into a canceled football season, like, no bowl games, no college football playoff, no TV deals, no no money from any of that. I mean, you're talking about entire athletic departments that would suddenly be operating at a loss. And I just don't know that we would ever get to that point. I don't, I think that they would, they would play in front of no fans and no media before they played, before they canceled a season, just because I don't, I don't know how many athletic departments around the country, not just group of five, but power five could, could take that kind of a financial hit. 
Yeah, we already saw, I think it was Bowlesby, the Big 12 commissioner, when he was talking yesterday kind of about this. Um, and he basically said the exact same thing about even about the Big 12, that it would be catastrophic um, to even go there. Um, so, yeah, I think that they would try to figure out, which is why I think to tie it in, I think that this is why you're seeing like prominent football coaches cut these PSAs. Um because I think they all realize that it would just be devastating to college athletics as a whole um, if they end up having to do anything to the college football season. And this is why, like, it, listen, it, it sounds weird given every the larger picture of what's happening in the world that you would have to dangle the college football carrot in front of people to get them to actually social distance and act right. Um but it, it's reality. Like, if you're going to have to do that, you're going to have to do that. So when you see Nick Saban uh, earlier this week already, who has cut a PSA about this and saying, take it seriously and make sure, you know, we can end up having a season in the fall. Um, I think that's a clear signal that people are at least worried um, and can see kind of the impending doom down the line should people not take it seriously. Yeah, I saw Ed Orgeron was at a press conference with, that, uh, with Louisiana government officials and I, I thought more coaches should be doing that. I thought that was a smart move. Yeah. He's um, a couple of them actually. Yeah. Let's end on a positive note. Um, yeah. Before everything went to shit, you guys all met with Husker coaches, including the new offensive coordinator, Matt Lubick. Um, I have, I have a two part question for you. One, how was Lubick? I was getting to, to talk to him here from him, interact with him. And two, uh, what was the most interesting thing that you heard from that press conference day? Um, Lubick was fine. Um, he, he's a sharp guy. Um, you can tell he's really technical. Um, it, it feels like he fits in nicely with what they have going just as a coaching staff. Um, and you could kind of tell that he had familiarity with everything. He just felt comfortable, I guess would be, um, the word that I would most use to describe it, even though it's always just a little weird the first time. And you've been around this with like two Eody the previous year, the first time that one of these new assistants comes in and sees all of us that are in the room, um, and at their table, that is a little jarring. Um, but he was comfortable, um, for the most part. And I thought he was pretty good and I think that he'll be a good value add to the staff at least from our perspective of getting to kind of talk through the technical points of, of especially wide receiver play um so I was impressed with him the first impression the most interesting thing that I heard the thing that keeps like I keep coming back to is something that Greg Austin talked about um and it was his passion around being the run game coordinator and I I, you know, and that's one because that's one of those things that remember when that happened, like it was kind of a it felt like a throwaway title or a throwaway line in the press release. And I know that there was some snark from fans like, oh, yeah, cool. Another title, whatever. And then you hear him talk about that um, and the passion and pride that he takes in it and how he wants to help um, improve that run game and his different thoughts on how that works with his offensive line and all of that. Um, it gives me a lot of hope for what they're going to be able to do offensively offensively um in running the ball consistently like I, I just still keep coming back to that and find it really interesting what he had to say and I know Brandon Vogel wrote about that um for the site so if you haven't seen his full comments on that and Brandon's analysis go check that out on the site um but that's definitely something that stood out to me a plug for the website all the time <laughs> read hailvarsity.com bookmark hailvarsity.com that's right uh Greg what are you working on 
boy. Well, I, uh, Big Red Recon is live. Um, I'm also working on a story uh, for Sunday um, about the quarterbacks that Nebraska kind of recruited. Um, and I say kind of because they've been doing a good job of locking up quarterbacks early. Um, so at least the guys that they evaluated and how many of them actually played very early already in their careers and started um, around the country and how um, they've been doing. Um, I think it would be kind of an interesting look at just Nebraska's evaluation of quarterbacks because they haven't offered very many um, while Frost and Verdusco have been here. Um, they seem to have a select group and then they kind of go from there. So I'll, I'll be kind of looking into that. I imagine looking at quarterbacks hit and missed on under this staff is a little bit more of a positive experience than in previous years. Probably. Yeah. I'm going to, without, well, yeah, <laughs> yes, I would, I would say that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Greg, you got work to do. Like you said, Big Red Recon is posted. Read it on com. Also, Hot Reads. Jacob Dillo's got basketball stuff. Uh, we'll have stuff throughout the weekend, as always. Even though there's not a ton of, of new uh, football stuff, there's still news. So we'll keep you covered on com. And, and we'll be back next week with another podcast back to a regular schedule. So uh, just keep it with Hill Varsity, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.